It's your Thursday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Thanks for listening again today. Um, Good show coming up. Chris Hine from the Star Tribune, a semi-frequent guest, even this time of year where the Wolves are in the midst of free agency getting ready to uh, you know kind of getting ready to get the get the training camp underway here in in, in a while but they're still relevant right now making some moves Chris and I will go through what they've done so far this offseason kind of reshaping the roster kind of the spots like 8 through 11 which maybe doesn't sound all that important sometimes Uh, the the more interesting headlines are what are they gonna do with Carl Anthony Towns and I admit I get gripped by that and in kind of future forward looking uh, types of things but those 8 through 11 spots can be pretty important on a roster especially when there's injuries when you need depth when there's a night where your starters aren't playing well whatever the case might be Um, I think the Wolves have done a pretty good job so far in free agency either keeping some of their own guys or signing you know relatively low cost but proven players to to fill those roles so Chris and I'll kind of talk about what the rotation might look like in this upcoming season and honestly where they do stand right now with Carl Anthony Towns so listen for that here in a little while got some Minnesota United and some Lynx thoughts towards the end of the show as well as a correction or two from a couple of past shows first though what did I miss you know, I, I we talked about this maybe a week or two ago when Alexander Madison was on, the Vikings running back, who is taking over ostensibly as the starter this season, 25 years old, not old by any standards, really, not even by running back standards yet. But, you know, I did ask him when he was on, kind of, you know, the shelf life of running back seems like it's getting shorter and shorter and shorter and frankly, he has this job right now, this lead back role with the Vikings signing on a you know relatively modest two two year seven million dollar contract. He has this role right now because Dalvin Cook will be you know will be twenty eight pretty soon, and is deemed in these in this NFL to be getting on the wrong side of of the age of the age curve. And so Bill Barnwell does a really good job at ESPN. Wrote a piece about kind of. Our, our, our team's overreacting. Our team's going too far. Where, where did this running back kind of devaluation start? Cook is still a free agent right now. Ezekiel Elliott, a free agent right now. A lot of other good proven running backs who are kind of in that 27, 28, 29-year-old range don't have jobs right now. And in the past, um, you know, that might have been a prime age for an athlete and is still very much a prime age for athletes in other sports and even at other positions that you don't find 28 year old quarterbacks or wide receivers being squeezed out of the league. Why is this happening to running backs? And and Barnwell goes through a lot of different explanations and including teams who have had success with, you know, multiple players in the backfield with, with younger players, um, teams who have had, you know, have understood where, you know, what the running backs role is in an offense and kind of finding guys who fit that instead of keeping higher priced players um, that you know, kind of started with different coaches, and frankly, that running backs do tend to wear out because they take a lot of. There's a lot of physical toll on a running back as far as skill position players go. They get hit a lot. You know, if they're carrying it 300 times a year, maybe catching it even a little bit more. That's a lot of contact for a running back. A lot of heavy contact early on. A lot of fall into the ground. A lot of you know, a lot of wear and tear on the body that just does that to a player. But you know, it's it's just one of those things that that, that continues to, to bother me, but I understand it. And I think it's just kind of a part of modern sports. And I think that's kind of the easiest way for me to, to kind of grapple with what's happened to running backs. It's 
teams finding efficiencies and you know a lot of these leagues are salary cap leagues or even if they're not like baseball there's some competitive balance tax and there's also you know teams that have a lower payroll are looking for ways to find lower cost alternatives things like that there is there are, there's basically a cheat code in every league where you get lower cost labor early in the early in a player's pro career it's, it's the same in in baseball football hockey basketball all of these have some sort of rookie scale contract where talented players who even if they start to produce right away and are producing at a pretty high level are not making the same amount of money as their their veteran peers they're on these kind of rookie scale deals and you know they're still making a very good wage but nowhere near probably what they would make on the open market in a lot of these cases and you compound that with you know sometimes these these contracts baseball contracts you might not get there till year six to become a free agent you know if you don't break into the majors till you're 24 you might not become a free agent until you're 30. I think that happened to Brian Dozier several years ago with the Twins. Like by the time he was good and established, um, he was deemed to be kind of on the wrong side of 30 by the time he became a free agent. He never never exactly cashed in fully on the seasons he had when he was younger. It's happening to running backs all the time. If they come into the league at 21, 22, and then they you know get to 26 or so by the time they're they're going to be free agents, a lot of times they're cast aside before they get that big first payday. Now Dalvin Cook did get a relatively big first payday. He's fine. He did sign a you know a, a first big contract off of his rookie deal that kicked in, I believe, in the 2021 season. So he, you know 2020 season. So you know he he did wind up with career earnings according to Spot Track of 32 million. But you know in, the, in his rookie deal as a second round pick, he wasn't making all that much at all. He made probably you know, maybe $5 million in those first three years of his deal, and then the last few were about $27 million. The, the contract was hailed as a five-year, $63 million contract, but that was really just on paper. The Vikings end up cutting him and walking away with some dead money, and that's what a lot of teams are doing with a lot of these contracts. If a guy gets to be 26, 27, they're saying, nope, we are going to turn to the younger, cheaper alternative. And with the Vikings, that's Alexander Madison, who at 25 is probably only a couple years away from being in that same boat, and he maybe recognized that with his two-year deal. And even he said on this show a couple weeks ago, like, hey, I've, I've signed for two more, hopefully more after that. He recognizes his shelf life is short and potentially short, and he's setting himself up for a life after football already, even at age 25. So just a, a predicament, an interesting approach and look at it from Barnwell. I'd go, I'd go, I'd, I encourage you to go read that after, of course, you read everything in Star Tribune and StarTribune.com today. It's an interesting piece. It kind of gives a, a deep look at, at how this has evolved, why it's happening. Um, I think that the, the real problem is that, that the science bears it out. We have all this data. We know why it happens. It's just, it just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't feel fair still. I don't exactly know what the alternative is. I don't know how to kind of make sure running backs and other positions are compensated fairly uh, to, to to kind of understand you know what's happening with these contracts, but it is definitely a real thing that's happening right now. It's happened to the Vikings, and it's happening everywhere else in the league. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM.
Let's talk Timberwolves on Daily Delivery today. Chris Hine, Wolves beat writer from the Star Tribune, joins me. And, uh, you know, Chris, it doesn't feel like um, the, the the script that the Wolves went into the offseason with doesn't feel like much has deviated um, from that so far. They, they haven't made any you know major trades. I think the Naz Reed signing was probably the biggest thing they've done in addition to, of course, the expected Anthony Edwards extension. And I would imagine a Jaden McDaniels extension is probably somewhere around the corner here as well, uh, uh, terms of that TBA. But um, what, what I want to talk about mostly today is just kind of the, some of the fringe moves they've made, some of the kind of lower leverage signings that have filled out the roster. And these these guys, they'll kind of be like, you know, mid-rotation players, guys who they lean on and need. Um, how do you think they've done with that phase of roster building this offseason? I think the, you know, the biggest thing we were wondering after the Nas Reed piece came together about five days before free agency opened was, okay, how are they going to fill kind of this backup point guard role uh, you know, when Mike Conley is off the floor or and or he has to miss time because of injury. And so the Shake Milton signing was the was the answer to that. Uh, they bring back Jordan McLaughlin, who his contract was not guaranteed for this year um, coming into free agency, and they decided to guarantee it. Um, so that's point guard depth there as well. And then bringing in Shake Milton as well. I think that's the most intriguing signing of the guys that they did bring in um, and the guys kind of filling out the rest of the roster, you know, just kind of what's his role going to be, how significant will it be? And just kind of how do they juggle those minutes, um, you know, with him, with you know, Kyle Anderson's ability to to handle the ball Ant's ability to handle the ball in spurts. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker could also uh, bring the ball up and, and get you set up. Um, so I, I think that's one of the things that we're going to have to see play out in the early part of the season is just how does Chris Finch decide to use those non-starter minutes at point guard and should Mike Conley have to miss time, you know, who's starting at point guard? What do those lineups kind of look like? So I think that answered at least some of the questions, but now I don't know just who's going to get all the minutes at point guard as we enter the season. Yeah, I think that's interesting. That's one of the things you asked Chris Finch in Q and A. You did with him recently, and get into that in a little bit. But the the Milton signing was was interesting because I, you know, here's a guy who played pretty heavy, you know, regular rotation minutes for an awfully good um, Philadelphia team, and his role was pretty similar in the last you know four seasons, playing you know roughly twenty to twenty four minutes a year. Um, he played a decent amount in the playoffs as well. I was. I don't know if I was surprised, but it, it seemed like the terms and how how available he was, that was surprising to me. Yeah, he kind of fell out of, you know, fell out of the rotation late in the season and in the playoffs, which is maybe some of the diminishing value there. Uh, but you're right. You look back at the numbers, and he was a significant part of that team. And, you know, when Maxie and Harden were hurt earlier in the season, uh, he, he filled in pretty well for them. And I think they were like seven and four or something in the games that he started for them last season. Uh, one of those games, uh, one of those losses was against the Wolves back in November. And he had a really good game that day. Uh, he went like 10 for 15 uh, from the floor in that, in, that, in that game. And it was a really entertaining game, in part because Shake Milner played so well. So he's kind of a, he could be streaky. Um, you know, almost like in some ways, the way Jalen Noel could be streaky in terms of his scoring, right? Um, but I think with a little more point guard 
uh, natural fit than, than Jalen Noel was. Jalen Noel is more of an off-ball you know, fit. Uh, I think Shake Milton is more of an on-ball fit for this team and what they're looking for right now. So uh, we'll we'll see how that plays out. I, you know, Troy Brown comes in, um, kind of a Torian Prince facsimile in a way. After Torian Prince goes to the Lakers, Troy Brown comes from the Lakers to Minnesota, almost like a de facto trade in a way. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, after the Wolves didn't guarantee Torian Prince's contract and waived him, so kind of a similar idea, at least in concept of what Troy Brown will bring. Uh, a little bit of shooting, some length on the perimeter. Um, you know, one of the people who covers Lakers told me like he, he he's he tries hard on defense. Sometimes his physicality isn't quite up to up to what it needs to be on the defensive end of the floor, but but he is a willing defender to get in there and mix it up. Um, so you know that's kind of kind of going to be the you know ninth tenth man kind of minutes and i think what will be interesting is can some of these younger guys on the roster maybe push for those minutes as well like a josh minot um i think that's something i'll be kind of tracking going into training camp in the preseason yeah i i think they did pretty well in kind of the the back end of the roster with guys who have a decent amount of track record, you know, Milton and Brown of, of being the chief among them, but but who weren't terribly expensive, being able to you know put competent lineups out there, you know, second units, and also if they if you got some kind of you know stop gaps in case there are the inevitable injuries during the season. Um, you know, the Alexander Walker deal was kind of of, of a similar vein. You know, they had a. They they decided not to to go the the restricted free agency route, but they got him for essentially less than they would have had to guarantee him with a qualifying offer, right? That's that's right. Yeah, they they ended up with a two year deal, fully guaranteed. There's no team option on the second year. There are team options on the second year of Browns and Milton's deal, but it's a two year deal for Alexander Walker. Um, if my recollection is correct, he came in at about was it. Nine million. I, I, one of them came in at eight. One of them came in at nine. One of them came in at ten. <laughs> I have to go yeah. back and look. Um, I think Alexander Walker came in at two years for nine million. Um, so yeah, the qualifying offer I think was around six or seven. A little over seven, um, I think. Yeah, a little over seven. Yeah, yeah. So, see, my I mean, my numbers are all off. We're we're a week out from free agency, and I've forgotten all the numbers that I that I report <laughs> that I reported just right. a week ago. That's what happens when you spend a couple of days in Vegas, I guess. Uh, some some memory brain cells diminish. Um, so, yeah, they got him for a little less than the qualifying offer. Um, I, they really liked him. He, he's, a, he's a good fit. And I think when you're a young player like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you know, you're kind of on that on that edge of the NBA, right? Like, you, if you don't have a good fit, in the NBA and you're kind of searching for it, you might be out of the league faster than you anticipated. So when you have a team like the Timberwolves who really likes you and you try, you know, you find a home here, you find a niche with the team, you, you know, you, you want to stick around as long as you can. Hence the two-year deal and maybe taking the, the less money. So now you're at least guaranteed a spot in the NBA for two seasons, whereas you might have been searching for it if you had really, you know, tried to go out on the open market. And the situation elsewhere might not be as good here. Um, they they value what he brings in terms of his defense and, and a little bit of his offense. 
Uh, he shot really well when he came here last season. So, you know, I, I think that made a lot of sense for both parties to to kind of come to a deal that looks exactly like that. Yeah, the Jaden McDaniels uh, punching a wall towards the end of the regular season did the Wolves no favors. Probably didn't do Jaden a ton of favors either, although I think he's still going to get paid plenty. Um, that helped uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker tremendously, though, because he essentially played that role in the playoffs and played it pretty well. He did. He did. Uh, you know, chasing Jamal Murray around. I thought he did as good a job on Jamal Murray, who was excellent in the playoffs, obviously leading Denver to a title. But I thought he did as good a job on Jamal Murray as anybody did in the playoffs, um, just making it really difficult for Jamal Murray. Uh, Jamal Murray hits a lot of difficult shots to begin with. And I think if you watch that playoff run, you saw just how good he is at, at consistently hitting difficult shots. But I thought the, I thought Nikhil did a good job of making a lot of his shots, difficult shots. Um, and there were, there was a game or two where he, he kind of limited them and, and kind of not really shut him down, but made him inefficient. Um, so I, I liked what I saw out of him. I, I think, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the form on his jump shot, but the numbers bared out that he was a, a pretty good shooter and has been a decent shooter for his NBA career. So what do I know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think he, he brings an element of, I think, I think he endeared himself to fans because he just plays really hard. Yes. Right. And I think that's what, I think that's what the fan base really likes and appreciates. It's easy to root for somebody that you see him and he's just running his tail off, always hustling, always defending. Um, so I think, you know, it's a, it's a good fit from a culture standpoint, from a roster standpoint, and from a, personality standpoint yeah and he kind of just played himself into the rotation when he came over in the you know the russell conley deal if he kind of felt like he was a throw-in a salary match almost but he he definitely played his way into that pretty quickly and and proved to be pretty valuable a nice guy to have around like you said too because he can handle the ball a little bit and it seems like the the wolves are you know kind of they seem like they kind of have a type they like guys with some positional versatility, guys that can guard multiple positions. I don't think that's a secret. That's kind of the NBA these days, but they kind of seem like they're stockpiling players like this. If we go back to, you know, the Josh Minot second round pick a couple of years ago, um, Leonard Miller this year, and some of the guys they've brought in, in, you know, free agency this year. Uh, is that, am I onto something? Are they kind of, they seems like they kind of are getting a, a pretty good uh, group of guys who are like six, five to six, 10, who can guard two or three spots which you really do need in this league. Yeah, I think I think that's that's accurate. I throw I throw their other second round draft pick, Jalen Clark. Yes, um, kind of in that mix as well. Pac twelve defensive player of the year. Um, so I think I think you're I think you're onto something there. I, I do. I also think that something that's important to Tim Connolly is also just getting good dudes in the building. Yeah, and, and guys that are going to want to buy into the culture, hard workers. Um, you know, just good locker room presences. I think, I think that matters a lot to, to what Tim Connolly is trying to build here. And, you know, I think that that was borne out in the, in the Russell for Mike Conley trade um, and other moves that, that he's made. I think, I think that's a huge thing for, for Tim Connolly. And yeah, I think you're right. I think in terms of a, of a, a, a type, I guess you could say is, yeah, these, these kind of longer, these longer defenders, maybe their wingspans exceed how tall they right. are. You know uh, that kind of that kind of thing because you always hear like, "Oh, this guy's six six, but he's got a six ten wingspan right. or or whatever." Like you know, like those kind of guys. 
Um, because yeah, it's a, the, I think the more you're, cause the more you're able to, to switch the, I think just in general, the more effective you are defensively. Um, and you know, we'll see how it all kind of comes together with Cat and Rudy on the floor next season. And, you know, with Nas as well, and kind of where Nas's development is defensively, how is Carl going to be, you know, defensively defending fours again, regular, you know, in terms of just regular minutes, um, it, it, as long as he's healthy this season, just kind of how does that bear itself out over an 82 game season when Carl is available for most of it? So, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how the, how Finch chooses to deploy all these different options he has. Um, but I do think that defensively this team in general is on, is, is on its way up. Now, pretty much there's no, uh, there's no realistic, no real smoke at all from anybody who's credible on any kind of towns trade right now. And I would imagine that they, what they've been saying all along is what you've been reporting all along is that they, they seem intent on running this back with the roster they have um, before I get into, you know, some kind of what, how this rotation might shake out the, the thing you do still see a little bit of from, from people who are, you know, who, who are respected and not just, you know, fan sites doing the rumor of the day is, Watch out for something maybe at the trade deadline. Is, is that a viable path to you? Does that, that seems disruptive to me in terms of a town's trade, but I want to hear what you think of that notion. Well, I mean, I think there's so much that can happen between the beginning of the season and the trade deadline, right? Yeah. Like, what if the Wolves come out and are suddenly competing for the best record in the Western Conference, right? Sure. Would you want to make a trade then? You know, if they come out and they're terrible, then yeah, I could see something happening at the trade deadline. So I wouldn't say yes, I wouldn't say no. It's July. The trade deadline yeah. is February. <laughs> right. There's fifty plus games of basketball that's gonna have to happen between now and then. So I you know anything could happen. Like there yeah, watch out for the trade deadline. Yeah, watch out for the trade deadline for anybody making moves for <laughs> right. any player. Right. Like that's that's what the trade deadline's all about. Right. Um, so I, I don't put much much stock in that at all. No. Um listen, the, the one thing you, you you learn covering this league, never say never yeah. on any player at any time because you never know who's gonna be available and when and what that prompts teams to do to try and get a certain player. So nobody's ever a hundred percent totally safe off the block or whatever. Everybody at any time is always potentially tradable. Um, that's the rule of my fantasy football teams. That's the rule <laughs> of that's the rule of the of the NBA as well. Um, so there's so much to there's so much that needs to happen between now and the trade deadline that I wouldn't worry about it right now. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, and what we know right now is I would venture. certainty if everybody's healthy, the starting lineup is Conley, Edwards, McDaniels, Towns, and Gobert. And I would say the the first two guys probably off the bench most nights deployed in various fashions would be uh, Kyle Anderson and um, Naz Reed. If that sounds about right to you, what how do now that we know kind of some of the people in the building? through free agency now that we've seen a little bit of summer league and kind of get a taste of you know if, if any of these guys are kind of making progress in year two whatever whatever it might be or even as rookies um in in summer league 
how do we see like who's who's kind of the candidates to get the most minutes in kind of those eight through 12 roles? Or how do you see the rest of the rotation kind of shaking out based on what we've kind of already talked about with with, the, with what they've done in free agency and who else they have? You know, I think I think at least getting the first crack at those minutes are probably Alexander Walker and Milton. Okay. Because you're kind of your eighth and ninth guys. And then I'd throw I'd throw Brown, Minot in there, kind of in okay. that ten, that ten ish, nine, ten ish range. Yep. Um it, depending on matchups, depending on the opponent, um, on a given night. Um, so I, I would I would say that there, you know, there is a possibility Josh might not to push for playing time next year. Absolutely, um, especially if he can bring it, you know, defensively and and especially rebounding, which is something right. this team could could certainly use. Um, so I, I guess I kind of handicap it like that. I, th- I think Alexander Walker, with with the way he closed last season, at least at the start of the season, has has kind of earned the right to uh, a decent chunk of minutes to start the season and then you just kind of go from there and, and see how he does with that yeah that seems about right to me i'm I'm still wondering if they're gonna miss torian prince a little bit just because he was so steady and you kind of knew what you were getting from him and i still wonder if they have quite enough shooting enough guys that can you know the, enough guys that worry you from three i know they've got guys that can make 35 to 37 percent can be kind of league average, but that does feel to me like they're still missing maybe one or two guys that just strike fear into the hearts of opponents that this guy's this guy can't, you can't leave this guy alone or or he's going to hurt you. Yeah. It's, it's kind of that. Like they have guys who are good, not great shooters. Like like, Torian Prince was, was consistently a very good shooter um, throughout the course of his career. I don't think they had, they quite have that coming off the bench this season. Troy Brown was 38% last season, but that was, the best he shot in a little while, yeah. um, you know, Nikhil, uh, shot very well when he came to Minnesota last year, but better than he shot in his career. Uh, you know, so it, it's going to be interesting to see, are they able to kind of knock down some of these open looks? Um, that's why I think Nikhil gives you early kind of gets some of those minutes right away because Torian Prince, you know, what was he? He was a three point shooter primarily for them and somebody who was, defensively versatile yeah. and helpful. Uh, Nikhil defensively could, could come in and guard the other team's best player and, you know, could knock down an open three. So yeah. that's why I say he, he probably gets the first crack at those kind of eight, eight man, eight man minutes, eighth or ninth man minutes. Yeah. Um, if, you know, assuming Finch wants to go with like a nine for the nine man rotation on yeah. those nights. Speaking of Finch, final thing for you, you had a Q&A with him that was online and not too long ago. Um, anything, you know, I read it. I was interested in it. Anything stand out to you from things that he said? Anything that was either unexpected or that he he delved into in a way that, that caught your attention? Um, when I asked him about the, the guys playing internationally yeah. uh, this summer, you know, because last year Rudy came back and kind of needed to handle his his body at yeah. the beginning of a training camp carl was out sick for a right. significant length of time and so training camp which is when you know you're supposed to be developing you know chemistry and, and putting things in you know carl and rudy weren't always available right so you know they've emphasized just kind of having you know everybody in the building for healthy for training camp so rudy's playing internationally Ant's playing internationally we'll see who else might be uh, this this off season as well, 
Um, but you know, one thing he said is, look, these guys, we support them, um, but they got to come back and know that we can't be resting them in training camp. Yeah. Like we got it. We got to get together. We got to get on the same page. We got to get chemistry going early in the season. Um, they can't afford with how tight the West is. And, you know, mm-hmm. you can't afford to be just dropping games early because you don't quite have your stuff together yeah. early in the season. So I think that stood out. I think another thing that, that Tim Connolly has has preached in various interviews, uh, I heard him on KFAN a while back talking about this. Um, and now, you know, I think he said it elsewhere as well. You know, this team needs to be more mature. This team needs yeah. to be, needs to stop complaining to the officials as much as they yep. do. Um, and Finch included himself in that. Um, you know, and it's just, you got to let the officiating go. Ant actually did a pretty good job of that as the season went along. So you could see that, like, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. You can clean up. You know, Ant got right. a bunch of technicals in the first half of the season. And then in the second half, he barely got any. And some of that was just learning how to communicate with officials. You spoke to the league about it and, you know, how better to talk with officials. And, you know, I, so I think it's 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 possible for them to do that. But, you know. I, I also wonder because some guys like Carl and Rudy are so set in their ways of right. how they play and, and the emotion with which they play, are they going to be able to to turn it around and, and, you know, not let the officiating bother them as much as it sometimes yeah. seems to do. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I, one other thing I thought was interesting too, was this I think you asked him about Edwards and kind of the evolution of his game. And he, he was, it wasn't so much of a critique, but you could tell that, you know, basically talking about, you know, end of game situations, like is the, is the, you can get your step back three anytime you want. Is that really the best shot, especially early in the clock kind of stuff that, that, that was, that seems to me like he's wanting Edwards to, to change his philosophy a little bit more and, and look for something else be, aside from that shot, at least early in the clock. A hundred percent. And, you know, when I, when I did an interview with Ant just after the season, he talked about like he wants to be the one that's taking the shot late late in games. He he would prefer not to defer to his teammate. Well, not, right. not that he wouldn't defer to his teammates, but he wants to be the one taking the shot. Listen, if, if a team triple teams him, he's going to give the ball up, right? Of course, yeah. Um, but he wants to be the one taking the shot. And I, and I did wonder at the time, like, so does that mean it's just going to be ant step backs every time that it's a that it's a close game? And you know, I think that's. As we see from Finch's comments, like that's not that's not going to be the it's not case. What he wants. Yeah, uh, and listen, their late game offense was lacking. Yep. Um, you know, to put it mildly, late in the season, um, you know, probably ended up costing them that playing game against the Lakers. Definitely, yeah. Because um, uh, the Lakers couldn't execute down the stretch of that one either. Um, and so you know, some of that, yeah, some of that can be attributed to chemistry and you're working Carl back into the mix uh, at that point in the season after missing most of it. So some of that is on just trying to figure that stuff out. But at the end of the day, you know, you're an NBA team. You should be able to run something late in the game to get you a decent look. Or, yeah. or you can't just go stagnant in those situations and just have Anthony Edwards dribble for 20 seconds yeah. and then hoist up a contested step back three. Right. So, you know, I think that'll be a big focus early in the season of what we ask Finch about and what you see in the first few weeks of the season is just what does their late game offense yeah. look like. And I think Finch's point's a good one too. It's like you can get that shot with four seconds left. Like that can be that can be your everything else went wrong, give the ball back to Ant and he can get that 
he can get basically the same look anytime in the clock. It's that should not be your that should not be your priority look. That should be your kind of uh, hey, nothing else worked. Let's see if this yeah, this yeah. this is this is maybe what we can get if all else fails. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. I'm sure we'll talk more before the season starts. But to enjoy some time off, uh, summer league full effect. We're getting our uh, our full a uh, full. Uh, highlights and everybody's getting excited about the uh, the guys who probably won't play a whole lot so that time of year is exciting but it's been a, a relatively kind of by the book off season so far and uh you know maybe that's uh, maybe that's not such a bad thing after a lot of uh, a lot of off seasons that weren't really by the book <laughs> yeah uh last off season was not by the book um no. this one was yeah very kind of mild um you know the mcdaniel's potential mcdaniel's extension is the only kind of bit of news that's kind of hanging out there and we'll see how that progresses as the as the summer goes along but you know i think one thing that if you look at tim Connolly's track record uh in denver he always takes care of the guys who he believes are the franchise building blocks yeah and that's what he believes about Jaden mcdaniels so even if it takes a little bit of time something i i would feel confident that something will get done eventually yeah um with Jade mcdaniels yeah that sounds good enjoy some more of your summer chris we'll talk again later sounds good thanks mike always appreciate chris hine coming on to talk timberwolves even if he keeps ruining my hopes and dreams of a carl anthony towns trade we'll see i mean it's still early relatively early in the offseason towns has only been trade eligible for like six days maybe we're maybe we're under overlooking something that might still happen but the wolves are giving no indication that anything is imminent Maybe by the trade deadline. Just for me, it just seems like it's the now is the time to do it. But I, I probably got to get past that at some point and just kind of look at this season ahead, look at it, and and see what their prospects are. I just don't see I just don't see them being a real big factor in the West. And then that salary crunch comes a year from now. So we'll see how it plays out. I do like some of the peripheral moves they've made this year. I think Shake Milton was a good signing. I like bringing back Nikhil Alexander Walker. Bringing back Naz Reed gives them some flexibility. Gives them some options down the road. So. We will see how it all shakes out as usual. Not a lot of drama so far for the Wolves, and maybe for Chris at least, that is a good thing. Let's finish with the cooler. A couple of corrections, if I might, right off the jump. Scott emails to say um, that on a recent episode, I mistook the school that uh, Matt Walner attended, Twins prospect and sometimes Twins player uh, Matt Walner. He attended Southern Miss, not Mississippi State. My bad on that one. Liz. Um, noted to me, I've been thinking about the WNBA playoffs wrong. It is not the cumulative record of the teams over the last two years that determines the four teams that will be in the draft lottery. It is the playoff, it was the teams that missed the playoffs this year, and then their record over the last two years determines where they, how many ping pong balls they get in the lottery. So the, the Lynx cannot make the playoffs this year and still um and still be in the lottery that was that i just i was reading that rule wrong i want to make sure i clarify that now speaking of the links they kind of can't decide what they are this year because they they started out 0 six and they had that huge surge to get back to nine and nine and they've gotten blown out the last two games including yesterday going into the all-star break 107 to 67 at the hands of dallas a matinee at target center a lot of fans in attendance did not like what they saw Cheryl Reeve lamenting the lack of defense in that game. Maybe they do need a break here. 9-11 and 11 still 
in the hunt in the playoffs. Again, 8 out of 12 teams make it, so sometimes it is hard to miss the playoffs in this league. But they're still trending relatively in the right direction. But those last two games, losing by, I think, 24 and 40, those are sobering reminders of maybe where they stand in the pecking order. And Minnesota United, Timo Pukki gets his first goal for the Loons, a nice through ball from Emmanuel Reynoso. They win 3-0. They've got one more game Saturday before a real long break over the summer. I don't think they play again after this next one until mid-August, so almost a month or out, maybe over a month of inaction for that team as they take a break over the summer. So that will do it for today. Got some gopher volleyball talk on Friday's show with Jeff Day. Um, just some interesting stuff he's been writing lately. Want to catch up on that program, which uh, you know deserves to have a light shown on it um, a, a lot of times because that, that's a that's a that's a program that's kind of moving into a higher stature and in a sport that's moving into a higher stature. So I want to talk to Jeff about that on Friday's show. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. I'll be back at it again tomorrow.